Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Okay, so we've been doing a, a series on, uh, on, on identity. I think we started with I am a saint talking about our salvation, our identity as, as being saved, son as being saved. Then we had I am, I am righteous, and that was, gosh, we could just do a whole year sermon on I am righteous, um, how that impacts us. In fact, it will impact us that our righteousness, our right standing with God is the gospel, and it will make its way into every message. It kind of has to. If we forget our righteousness and what Jesus did and how we are raised up with Christ um, living, we will, um, it, it, we will, uh, we will definitely, um, we, will, we will not walk in the level of freedom that we need to walk in. It is the foundation of every son and daughter. So as we look at identity, that is the foundation of righteousness. Um, the next one we did is we did, I am a son and a daughter. And Ryan Murray brought a killer message two weeks ago. And if you remember, I'll, I'll briefly recap uh, his three points because they were awesome. He did a great job. Um, and he is a great father himself. And so, uh, you know, the first one was a, a father uh, gives us three main things. It gives us identity, that we need a father because he imparts value into us, that knowing who the father is and knowing what he says about us gives us value. Our identity is based on who he is and not who we were. Um, la- second one is protection that the Father is a safe place for us, um, and that we can't get away from our Father, that He is the one that actually supports, that He gives us all protection in our lives. The third one is provision, that the Father gives us provision. He's our provider. Um, I've spoken to men's groups before, and one thing I always like to really nail is that a lot of men think that they're the provider of their family. And that's actually not biblical. Um, and that's actually a lot of burden and, uh, and, and weight to live under. The reality is the Father is our provider. God will always be your provider. If you're single, married, divorced, uh, a widow, uh, I don't know what other options there are, but He will still be your provider. And so even right now in this time, we can operate, we can live from a place of sonship um, as, and daughters um, because we have a Father that provides for us. And so if you need a place of hope to connect to and be grounded in, it's in that, that the father is a good dad. And good dads don't say no to their kids when they ask for bread and they ask for a house to stay in, a place to live and food to eat. And so, and I'd even challenge you that the good father goes above and beyond what his kids have ever asked for. Um, so that was what he went after. And I loved it last um we're going to go a little bit deeper. I, um, we're going to keep going on this thing. I feel like it might actually take us a couple more weeks to get through all the sonship. I am a son. I am a daughter series set inside the identity series. It's like inception, right? It's like a series inside of a series inside of a series. And we can do anything we want here. Okay. So that was that. So we're going to jump in. And if you were part of the kids service, they actually read the scripture we're going to read today. Um, <laughs> by the way, I encourage you to do yourself a favor, and when we're done here, jump over to the um, Presence uh, Revival Kids YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Uh, Jonathan did a video for the kids, and um, he spent a lot of time on it. It's hilarious. He may even have a, a mustache that's been taped onto his upper lip. So anyway, you have to watch that. Um, so if my, if my message doesn't get you blasted, his will. All right, let's go. Let's jump in. I'm going to pray. 
Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word that's going to come out. I thank you that for our family, God, that there is something special about our family, Lord. That um, although there's lots of YouTube stuff going on today, I'm thankful for the uh, the, the the I'm thankful for the buffet of of good teaching out there, God. I'm thankful for mothers and fathers and heroes of mine that are that are that have lots of amazing content out there, Lord, and I will always feast on those. But there's something powerful of sitting with our family, the people that we know and love, that we're doing life with day in and day out, that takes us way beyond a podcast um, of, of some other ministry out there. And so I thank you, Lord, that you've put us in this family, God, that we get to worship with Tiffany and Stephen this morning. And, and Lord, and hear a word, Lord. And so, Lord, I ask you you would speak through this book, speak through your word, through your Holy Spirit, and speak through me, God. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, so we're going to jump in. Jump into Luke 15. We're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the main idea that, that as sons and daughters, we have access to everything that the Father has. Everything that the Father has is ours. That we've been given an inheritance, um, and, and not an inheritance that we get when we die, Actually, it's an inheritance that we get right now. And to be actually more theologically correct, we have died. And we've entered into this inheritance. Amen, people? Amen? Am I right? Amen. <laughs> amen in the back. Are you? Amen. Quiet down. Please. Shh. Hey, you're disruptive. Quiet back there. Quiet back there. <laughs> this crowd is just getting a lot of control. If you were here, you'd see this. Um. But the, uh, you know, <laughs> by the way, feel free to get a little out of control in your own house. It's okay. Um, but we're going to read about, about sons, uh, two sons, uh, the prodigal, son, the prod- the story of the prodigal father, um, and the, and his two sons. And, um, what I want you, I want you to, it, it's a, it's a, it's a story that we've heard l- many times. And so as, as a result, I'm going to pull us out of maybe some of the standard way that we've heard it. And I'm going to read from the, uh, um, I'm going to read from uh, the Passion Translation. If you've been living under a rock and you've never heard of the Passion Translation, um, it, it's, a, it's a fairly new translation. It's mostly just the New Testament now. They're breaking into the Old Testament now. Also, Isaiah is, on the, is online. But it's a, it's a very poetic form of translation. It's actually, I think, I like it a little bit. Uh, in some ways, it's different than the Message Translation because the Passion is a little more grounded in the Word. Um, so whether you fully believe everything about it that says that's okay. But, um, but I want to read from it because it's going to do a really good job of, of taking us through the story a little differently. And then we're going to talk about it as we go through it. So if you want to pull it up on your phone, um, the Bible app has the, the, the Passion Translation, TPT. Okay. Um, so Luke 15, verse 11 is where we're going to start with. And I'm going to start a little bit talking about the younger son, the one that ran away, the one that we tend to focus on um, in church. This is the son that we can somehow identify um, pre-believers with, people that have not accepted Jesus yet. And because then they, they're running to the Father and they're, and they're coming to God. But I also want, to under, I want us to put this idea out here that this younger son could just as easily be you and me at certain seasons of our lives. And let's look at that. All right, so chapter, chapter 15, Luke 15, verse 11. Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons, by the way, I want to back up here. Um, 
because we're just in our houses and family, I want to throw this, this really neat thing I learned as I was studying. If you look at chapter 15, Luke 15, it starts off with the parable of the lost lamb. And it's all about the shepherd that goes after the lost lamb. And so we have, we, Luke starts the story off, the, the chapter, obviously there's no chapters when they wrote this, but they starts this off in, in, the, in the book, this little section with a story about Jesus being the shepherd. Okay, Jesus is the shepherd. Then the next story it has is the parable of the lost coin. And it talks about that, uh, uh, that she went looking, and it says that uh, there's a, went looking for it, the shiny, that um, she gathered all her friends to celebrate, we've lost this precious coin, that, that there's the light shining to find the coin, that the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us find, and all this stuff. So there's a story about the Holy Spirit, there's a celebration happening. And then lastly, it talks about the loving Father. And so we have three different stories, we have the shepherd, the, the, the spirit, and now the Father. And I just thought that was really beautiful. Okay, so um, so so chapter so verse verse eleven. Then Jesus said, "Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your inheritance that belongs to me?' <laughs> so the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance." Shortly afterwards, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. I want to highlight something really quick. That This is the son that did not feel especially excited about his father being in his life. He didn't recognize the value of his father. He didn't recognize the value of living under the father's care, under being subjected, submitted to his own father. And he was looking for an excuse to step out from under his father and go see the world. I'm an, indiv- I'm an individual. I don't need God. I don't need a father. I don't need this. That's how we can be sometimes. We can, we can forget the power of having a father submitted to us. And I don't, maybe they didn't have a good connection between the two of them. But something in this son made it, made it sound like a good idea to ask for everything that the, son, the father had for him and to get it ahead of time, basically saying, I wish you were dead. Actually, and in this time, this would have been a huge dishonor to the father to be doing this. So, so he, he runs away, and what he does, he journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. When you separate yourself from fathers and the father, the 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 normal outcome of that is to be living outside of, 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 um, of powerful living, outside of maturity, outside of character. And you will end up wasting. When you step out from underneath the fathers and mothers in your life, you, you, take, you basically step out of wisdom. And when you step out of wisdom, you're left to really um, the decisions that you're going to make all on your own with your level of maturity. And clearly the son was not at a place to do that yet. Verse 14, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry for there was a severe famine in the land. And so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. And the son was so famished, he was willing to eat, even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. 
Now, you might have heard this before, but honestly, since he was a, this is a farmer and we're talking to Jews here, the idea of feeding pigs and eating pigs was actually a huge no-no in, in, in religious uh, culture. So there was even lower than low feeling that he did here. And, and this is really what happens, that people that step away from the Father or don't, don't have fathers in their life, is they're actually going to go places they were never supposed to go. And, and this, is the, this is the beauty of, the, of this is here is that humiliated, verse 17, the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want and plenty to spare because the father is a provider. He's the provider. And so anyone that is under the father's care is provided for and they lack nothing. They lack nothing. I love that. Why am I here dying of hunger feeding these pigs and eating their slop. I love that he came to his senses. He had some a moment of deliverance there, right? I love it. That's the mercy of God. The mercy of God is that his mercy will come in when you least deserve it, when you're your worst and you've said no to him your whole life or in this moment you've chosen not to have him, his mercy comes in. And when you did nothing to earn it, he came in. And he says, I want to go back home to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to call to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And a great compassion welled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father, he raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms and he hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. I just think of that song in, in Song of Solomon, the, 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 the scripture where it says, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. <laughs> There's an intimacy in here that we have to catch that this is, this is who the Father is. If you struggle looking through the Bible and feeling God's love, you don't have to be a prodigal son. You don't have to be a runaway that comes back to see um, the love of the Father in this. Just, just know that He wants to kiss you with the kisses of His mouth. He wants to grab you and, and, and ravish you with His love, overwhelm you with, your goodness, with His goodness. The son said to the father, uh, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted him right there. And he said, son, stop talking. You're home now. You're home now. And it's like that thing that this is what fathers do. And this is what sons do as well. Fathers forget about the past. And they look forward. So the father literally at this point interrupted the son. The son wanted to tell him, Father, this is what I did wrong. This is how bad I was. This is why I don't deserve everything. And he interrupted everything. And he said, stop talking. And he just grabbed him. I can even just imagine him just crazy, like in mid-sentence grabbing him, pulling him into his chest so that the son would not try to recount and remember all the shameful things that he had done. And he says, son, you're home now. And this is the good news. This is the gospel 
This is, this is the gospel of every son that's ever walked away. This is the gospel of every son that has never even seen home yet. This is for the unsaved. This is for the saved. This is for you, for me. This is for our day-to-day place where we feel distant from him. To repent, Father, I'm sorry, I got busy. And before you get the word busy out, he grabs you and he holds you. And he says, shh, you're home now. You're home now. Let's do this. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. (laughs) He says, bring me my robe because it's the best. And I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the son, the seal of sonship. This is the inheritance. This is, this is my beloved son who, who I'm well pleased. This is the, the seal of sonship right here. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead. Can you see him just like shouting to the whole farm? Now he's alive again. He was once dead, but he's now alive again. And once he was lost, but now he's found. And this is where we take this as a, this is for the lost sheep. This is for the lost that are going to be coming home and get saved in this world. But this is just as as much about you and me as it is about, about any lost soul. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Almost everybody. Because we're going to talk about a son that did not celebrate this. Now, the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and said, Hey, hey, Stephen, what's going on? What's all the commotion about? And the servant replied, it's your younger brother. He returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Come and enjoy the feast with us. think about this. This is uh, the son is unwilling to go into the feast right now. And this is actually a very shameful thing in this culture because the son of the father, whenever the father threw a feast, it was the family that actually co-hosted. The sons were part, were supposed to host it with him. And so even in this thing, there's a level of, of family shame that they're even pushing against a norm here. This isn't the son of saying, I don't want to go in. You go ahead. This is a, a big deal. And the son said to the father, said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? Hear the language. Performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son. And I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. Listen to the language that he's using here. He he starts off with this saying, it says, how many years have I been working as a slave for you? performing everything you've asked for. And he says, as a faithful son. You see, the language is different here. 
And I think, and, and this is, oh, I love the Passion Translation, the way it actually uses all the language at once, as if we can actually believe we're all these things and take value. But the reality is we're going to pull our identity from some of these words. We're going to either, either going to pull our identity from the part of that says a slave performing for you, or we're going to, we're going to pull from I'm a faithful son. And we're going to live from one of those places. But you can't live from both of them. And the father goes on and the father says, my son. And just picture the father crying as he says this. He says, my son, you are always with me by my side. You are always with me by my side. Think of the language there. This is so wonderful. It's, it's not just that you're my son, but it's that you're with me by my side. Even when you're not with me, you're with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Everything I have is yours. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Gosh, honestly, I just feel like there's so much in this and I, I... I struggle to simplify everything into a short message because even being online here, I, I struggle with doing a, a, a long message or a, even a 30 or 40 minute message for everyone because I recognize we'll have kids, we have stuff going on, there's, there's commotion, there's, you, you might not have finished your eggs yet and you want to get back to them. I don't know. But I realize this, that there's a, there's a, a level, I'm trying to keep this simplified um, in the message, but there's, it's just, what you read in here is you unpack the word and, and the poeticness of this scripture is so beautiful. And there's so much in it. There's the gospel is played out in so many ways. I even love what the father says, because of this brother of yours was once dead and gone. I, I would imagine that this older brother has thought for a moment, I have no younger brother. He is gone, he's, he's, he's got his inheritance. And yet the father is unwilling to separate the family. He's unwilling to separate you from your neighbor, from your brother. I love that. You know, there's an interesting thing about this, that while the younger brother pursued his own self-discovery and his individualism, the younger brother said, I want my inheritance, I'm out. I'm going to go find out who I am. I'm I'm an individual in this world. I don't want to be identified with any other groups. Uh, Don't call me a a Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, millennial. Don't call me anything like that. I'm my own person. I'm going to go find out who I am. I actually don't even need to be identified by a father in my life. Um, in fact, I, you know, this is, it's just an interesting dynamic as people want to be more individualistic in this world. Um, they, they don't want to be held back by labels and by groups. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons why we're le- by many um, young people are leaving the church because um, they want to they find their own way of doing things. And I think that we can see the, the outcome of that is, is eventually is is recognizing is being lost and, and shame and condemnation. You step out of wisdom. But I want to say that the older brother also believed 
in this. So while the younger brother believed in, uh, in self-discovery, the older brother was more steeped in moral conformity. So both of these brothers were actually very wrong in how they went and how they lived their life. The younger brother is just a little bit more obvious because he ended up in a strip club, right? And he ended up feeding the pigs. And by the way, if there's, if there's a few good things that came from social distancing is that the strip clubs now are closed. <laughs> and I have a feeling that there's a lot of other things that have gone too. Um, but what we also see in this is that the older brother was steeped into moral conformity, meaning that he was doing everything as a faithful son. Did I not do everything that you've ever asked of me? Was I not a good son? Did I, was I not good enough? And so there's this whole thing of, now he's moved into earning his favor from the father. And so both needed a revelation of grace. And grace, grace is the father's love. Grace is the father's ability to pull their son into it. With the younger son, the father pulled his son into, into his arms. And he says, don't remember any of that stuff any longer. In fact, here's my identity again with my robe and my ring. And then the older son, the father is, ah, ah, <laughs> I love Yosi. Don't worry about the time, pastor. We're eating while we watch. <laughs> ah, oh, come on. So, <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I like, I love reading your comments. Oh, but the, even, even the older son, the father goes to the older son and says, listen, I've been with you this whole time. You are my son. Everything I have is yours. That's the grace of God. This is God's grace. It's not his mercy. It's his grace. It's once you got saved, it's what you entered into. So the first thing I want to talk about is that I want, to, I want to focus on the older son here. I think the younger son, I think we, we nailed that. I think there's lots to be said, but I want to focus on the older son. I know Jonathan with our kids focused on the older son, and I, I'm going to follow his lead. Um, when the older son, first thing I want to talk about is I think the older son, he stepped out of this idea of living in the pleasure of being a son of being his father's son. There's a pleasure that comes. There's an honor. There's a glory of being under the father, of being part of the father, connected to the father. You know, the scriptures say that, um, he's, that it, it, can, it identifies us as, um, as we're being, um, as being uh, under the father as like a slave, a bondservant. In fact, Paul says that I am a bondservant of Christ. Um, and, and so we can identify as a servant of Christ um, and I think a lot of us get a lot of pleasure from that because we love to do what the Father tells us to do. In fact, we just we just want to serve the Father, right? That's not a wrong prayer. It's not a wrong desire of our hearts. And I think the church in the past has actually nailed that, right? Of getting on the ground, penitence, um, kneeling before the Father. I am not worthy, right? We even use the words of John the Baptist, more of you, less of me, God, more of you. I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of the one. And so there's a, there's a very real scriptural basis for servants. But then he even, the Bible even says, that he says, I don't call you a servant. 
I call you a son. And so there's, there's even this idea that then he said he, he brings us into sonship. And then he also brings us into friendship. Not only do I call you servants, but you are my friends. And actually, there's this whole paradigm of the wedding paradigm that he's the bridegroom and, and we're the bride. And so there's an intimacy. And so there's many paradigms we can come to, perspectives, lenses that we can come to the Father with and come to God as sons. And you know what? None of them are wrong or bad. If, if you're in a moment where you just want to serve the Father, you want to serve God as a servant, um, because Jesus modeled being a servant. So there's nothing wrong with that. The difficulty comes when we take that servant mentality and we stay there because servants, he doesn't want servants. He saved us out of indentured servant. We were, we, we were slaves to death and he brought us to be slaves of righteousness as we talked about a few weeks ago. And so being, while we're being slaves as righteousness, we've also been raised up with the son. And in that, we are literally uh, or new creations bonded and co-laboring with the Son. We're connected to the Son. He doesn't just look at us, and I'm looking at some of the people in the room, Stephen and Tiffany and Michael and, and Victoria and Reagan and Jessica, and we're not just, I don't just see, the, God doesn't look at Victoria, and he doesn't just see Victoria, oh, she's wonderful, she's beautiful, I made her so wonderfully, beautifully made. He actually looks at her and he sees his son Jesus. But he also sees Victoria because Victoria is a much better looking Jesus than Jesus is, right? Like Jesus is not a very, you know, beautiful Victoria. And so he definitely still sees the beauty of Victoria when he looks at her. And he sees the handsomeness of Michael. So he, but he sees you guys together. And one, 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 uh, I love one thought is that when God looks at us, he doesn't know where Jesus ends and you begin. And we can, we can take joy in that because all of our shame and all of our, our unworthy feelings can, can be dealt with in that moment when we realize we've been made righteous and worthy. And so if you, if you look at what this, what the older brother was saying, he, he, he was actually feeling indignant. He says, I've done all these things to work for this sonship. I've worked for all this, this feeling of being your son. And yet you, I, I don't feel like your son right now. And so we can live, we can, we have an opportunity <laughs> to live as, as slaves and still say, but wasn't I a faithful son, God? Wasn't I fit? Didn't I say yes to you? Didn't I abstain from sex before I was married? Didn't I not get drunk? Didn't I not say mean things on Instagram and Facebook? Didn't, didn't I fast when everybody was fasting? Didn't I read my Bible when everybody else didn't? Didn't I pray more than the person next to me? And we can think all that stuff and say, wasn't I a faithful son? And what that creates in your heart is it creates this this really ugly fester, fester, festering in your heart like moldy cheese. It's like moldy cheese. It's just like moldy cheese. It's like you leave it alone long enough and it gets mold. And it's like moldy cheese is like cheese that no longer knows how yummy it is because it's got mold on it, okay? And when you're a son or a daughter and you start going down that road of festering of like, God, didn't you, why don't you heal me? Why don't you deliver me? I thought I was supposed to get that raise. And why did my tire get flat? And why did my car run out of gas? Like, I thought I was your faithful son. We start to get moldy. 
and we start to get this feeling of like, I thought I was a beautiful son, and I thought there was pleasure in being your son, but all I feel is discontentment and all these other big mean things I'm thinking right now. And so we step out of joy, we step out of love, we step out of we step out of all the things that bring life. See, when Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life abundantly, it wasn't about it wasn't to bring us into moldy cheese. It was to bring us into wonderfully sharp beautifully flavorful tasty cheese i know this is a funny um, story but uh, to me it just it's so clear and the father has come to cut away the mold and underneath that is the beautiful cheese because cheese actually doesn't go bad right you just cut away the mold <laughs> and it's the grace of god that's what the father came to do with the with the younger son he grabbed the son and said don't say another word about your past i'm cutting it away it's no longer going to be around anymore all i see is your beauty as my son and so, and it's just with the older son too. The seller son is like, I'm not going in there. I've done all this stuff. You're this, you're this. And the father says, you are my son. I've always loved you. Everything I have is yours. Let's go in there and party. And the father is not even worried about having a discussion about this. He just wants to breathe truth and life over the son and bring him into it. Everything that you, of everything that the Father has is yours. And if, if, you are, if, if we're going to preach as Christians that you are a son of God, if we're going to preach this and we're not going to live in the abundance of it, we're going to have a huge disconnection in the message, in the fruit we're trying to get to. And what it creates in us is it creates discontentment. And discontentment brings frustration. And frustration eventually just makes angry Christians. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever, have you ever missed an expectation that you thought something was going to be one way and it turned out to be another way? Have you ever, have you ever had one of those moments where you were told this was going to happen this way and it didn't happen this way? And all you could feel is frustration, fester, fester, fester. You know, we uh, we were going to go on a, uh, we were going to go out to the snow um, uh, yesterday, and um, and we were going to go and have a big snow day on a Saturday. We haven't been up the snow yet because there hasn't been, and lately there's a lot, all this snow that happened up in the mountains, and so we're going to pack the family into the van, and we were going to go, and you know. <laughs> It was uh, when we realized that some of our plans had to change because we had to do some, uh, uh, well, we had to do some foster visits, the foster kids that we love and we've been loving on and, 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 and raising up as, you know, we, uh, we, had to, we, we had to take them to a visit to see their parents, which is a beautiful thing. And so we did that and we couldn't go to the snow. Boo. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so we had all these expectations. In fact, our kids had these expectations of playing in the snow. And there was a moment when Jessica and I had to come to them and say, hey, kids, guess what? We can't go to the snow. And there was a, a, a lot of discontentment. There was a lot of frustration. There was missed expectation. There was, we believed we were going to go to the snow 
and all of our hopes and dreams was on this idea of this is the fun we were going to be living in. And then everything changed based on circumstances and situations outside of our control, maybe. And we were, ended up being very frustrated. And we had a couple kids that really were not very happy. And so our, our goal as parents then were to, how do we fix this? How do we make the best of the situation? And the, the good news is we decided to go to the beach. <laughs> and so we went from snow to sand and we made the best of it. And the reality is we were able to show them how this could still be an amazing thing. But what we really did was we showed them that, hey, we're together. And that's what we're excited about. We're going to do something together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And we had a great time. The reality is when, when, you, when you do stuff as family, fathers and mothers just have a way of knowing how to keep us in joy. And so we had a great time. And so, you know, sometimes we can have an expectation that's not met. And I think we do that in Christianity. We have this idea of abundant life, of, of prosperity and excitement and, and um, health and wealth and prosperity. And I think this is why some people don't like the prosperity gospel or the message of prosperity because they've seen the other side of not being prosperous, of being sick or being poor or being you know scared and afraid. And the reality is God doesn't promise us that we won't have snow days and miss snow days. But he promises us abundant life. And so I think it's in this place that, that if, we don't, if we don't focus on the Father in every moment and be joyful that we're his son and his daughter, that everything the Father has is ours that his love for us, he is kissing us with the kisses of his mouth, that he is grabbing us and holding us and putting a robe on us, and that every moment of our day can start and finish with, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm your son, that everything I have is, is everything that I have is yours, and everything that you have is mine, that you continually invite me into the feast of the moment. If we, if we have to start our day with that, and we have to end our day with that, because somewhere in there, we're going to have a missed expectation. Somewhere in there, there's going to be something that's going to come in and try and bring an attitude of frustration. And when that frustration comes in and we focus on that, we become like the older brother. Didn't I? Didn't I wake up and put a smile on my face? Didn't I wake up and read the Bible? Didn't I pray? Didn't I do all these things? And then this whole virus thing hit. And I thought we were going places, God. I thought we had revival. And a virus came? Really? But if you'll let the Father, and if you'll be honest with the Father, say, God, as your son or as your daughter, I'm just coming to you and I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm sad. I'm I'm worried, I'm anxious, and I need you to hold me, and I need you to hug me and tell me that all this is going to be okay. And it's in that place when you will actually be able to be brought into comfort. And it's in that place that you'll actually forget all the fears, and you'll hear the Father say, My son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. See, the Father doesn't have a bunch of things for you to do. 
the Father has a bunch of things for you to enjoy. And with our kids even, we, we may have missed out on the snow, but Jessica and I, we have things for our kids to enjoy. See, because we missed the snow day, we didn't have chores for them to do. <laughs> it's so good. We didn't have more work for them. We didn't say, you missed the snow day, so you're going to clean your room. You missed the snow day, so you're going to uh, sit and do more schoolwork. No, no, you missed the snow day, so we're going to go an exciting walk at Oso Creek, and then we're going to go play outside. We're going to build things. We're going to go to the beach, and we're going to get Burger Lounge, because you love Burger Lounge. And so even if we miss the snow day, we're going to be extravagant in other ways. And I want you to know the message of sonship is that even when things go wrong, and they will go wrong, I promise you, <laughs> I promise you things will go wrong. This world is not our land. We are strangers in this world. And there are still things going on that we have not yet subdued the enemy completely. That's your job, by the way. But... Until we subdue the evil one, the Father, the message of the Father is that I have, <laughs> everything I have is yours to enjoy. And so I want to say it again, the elder son, as elder sons, we can miss out on the glory of being sons and daughters, of taking pleasure in being sons and daughters. We, by nature as Christians, we are pleasure seekers. We should be seeking the pleasure of the Father 24-7. It's, it's, it's our right, it's our inheritance to have the pleasure of the Father, to enjoy Him, and not just Him, but to enjoy the circumstances that we're in. You may not love where you're at. You may even be sick right now. You might be in the hospital. You might have people that you love are in the hospital. You might, you might have to completely change the way you do church. And all your normal strategies and all your normal uh, normalness is being turned upside down. And he still says this, everything I have is yours to enjoy. Now come in and feast. And so I just want to encourage you guys. I'm seeing some of the people are actually texting me and just saying how they just really receive this message. Receive this message. It's simple. It's simple. I hope I've created enough, enough momentum behind this little piece, a simple point, because there's a whole lot of many points we could do. This simple point of enjoying the Father. Both sons failed to enjoy the Father. One son left completely and said, I'm going to do enjoyment on my own. And he went to go find his own path and he didn't find it. And he came running back to the father and the grace of God grabbed him, interrupted his story and held him. And then the older brother was, was also missing out on enjoying the father because he had left the father in his heart. And he was absent from the Father in his heart. He was disconnected because of works and duty. And it reminds me of Martha being busy when Jesus is sitting down. And Mary was enjoying Jesus. And 
Martha was running around making sandwiches. Can you hear Mary come or Martha come back and say, Jesus, wasn't I slaving and working for you as a faithful friend and daughter? And Jesus says, no, 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 Mary has done the right thing. So I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to pray for us right now. Just take a deep breath and blow it out. This idea of enjoying the Father takes rest. It takes pause. It takes, to, it takes a moment to look at the Father and be honest with Him. You have to be honest with Him. I've noticed from myself that I've gotten really busy and in a hurry. And although I might not be busy with just church stuff, I've gotten busy with everything. And I've noticed that stopping and just breathing and saying, looking at the Father and, and just pausing and saying, Father, here I am. I want to enter into your rest, enter into the joy of my Father and it's not just his joy that's my strength. It's his joy and enjoyment over you and over me is where we find our strength. And so I just want to just take a second and enjoy the Father right now. So if you're still with us, if you're still watching, take a second. Look at the Father. Close your eyes and just say, Father, thank you. Thank you for letting me pause. Let me just read this over you. My son and my daughter, everything I have, everything I have, every, every dollar I have, every place of provision, every place of sufficiency is yours. It's yours. It's completely yours to enjoy. I even hear the Father say over some of you, every piece of time that I have is yours. I hear the Father say that he's not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. I feel the Father says that he has solutions to your problems and that he's not even in a hurry to tell you them. That he's actually happy to be patient because his timing is perfect and his provision is perfect. So receive the grace of God like the young son and the older son to receive it. And how do you receive it? But by faith. You just open your heart and you say, Father, come in with all your grace, all your healing and all your presence, God. And I want you to hear this, that the father didn't tell either of his sons that you're not mature enough to receive my love. He didn't say that you're not enough for my love. He didn't say that you have to become something. He didn't give them a lecture on how they have to get more mature. He didn't lecture the younger son on all the things he did wrong. He didn't discipline the younger son on all the things he did wrong. He didn't discipline the older son for the shame that he was bringing on the family by not going into the party. There is nothing keeping you from being grabbed and held with the affections of a father and kissing you and holding you and loving you 
and being overwhelmed by his love. And so just put your hand on your heart and say, Father, I love you. I receive all this love. There's nothing separating us. I am completely yours. And anything I've ever done, any working for love, any striving I've done that may have got in the way of just being your faithful son or daughter, I give it up right now. And I just come close. And I thank you, Lord. And that maybe this is just another place on your journey. Maybe this is the beginning of a new journey. But just ask him right now, God, would you father me in this place? May you father me. Would you walk with me? Would you father me into maturity? Would you father me into rest? Would you father me into pausing? Into getting rid of a hurried lifestyle and into a very present lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Whew. Well, just give God a round. Just give. <laughs> just, just say thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right. Well, um, gosh, so good. Uh, I'm just getting a little wrecked. I just want to lay down. You guys get to lay down. Listen, if you need to lay down and just let the message get in you, maybe you're alone and the presence of God is just thick in your room. I encourage you to stay there. Um, this is the thing that we can't really do as well in a church service because everybody's just talking and running around. But man, what an opportunity that you can just literally stay there and keep hearing from the Father. Um, I want to encourage you guys too to um, to just uh, uh, to jump on the uh, the our Zoom call. We're going to start it up right now. Um, the North County and South County. It doesn't matter which one you go on. But it just to split it up, it'd be good. And we're going to experiment. We're kind of doing something fun. We've never done this before. Um, I haven't heard any of the churches do this. Um, so we're going to we're going to go for this. So if you want to see some faces, um, I say go for it. You don't have to. You can jump in and have an amazing Sunday. Uh, but for a few of you, some of you, if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for healing, um, it didn't happen during worship. Um, I don't know how prayer healing didn't happen during Tiffany and Stephen's worship, but I encourage you, jump on the um, the call. There's the South County one. I love it. Um, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to look at some of these. If you have any testimonies, um, I wish I could just invite you guys on the live stream. We're going to get better at this. Um, uh, there's better software out there to do stuff. We're going to work on putting the words on the screen to worship maybe. Uh, we've got we've got a visuals team that is amazing, and so we're going to figure this thing out. We might even stream from a new location next week. I don't know, but the real but the goodness is we're all going to come together and stream together. The church that streams together stays together. So, <laughs> um, I tell you what, um, we're going to leave this on for a little longer so the chat stream continues. Um, maybe another four or five minutes. Um, we'll turn all the sound off in the room so you guys don't pick up local sound. Um, but I love you guys. You guys are amazing. If you guys want to keep adding prayer requests to the ch chat channel, you can. Um, we'll keep uh, we'll keep chatting with you for another five minutes. Um, and uh, we love you guys. 
um, pay attention to our website. We're going to have updates on it. We're going to start small groups. Um, this is really exciting. We're going to have small groups. I should say this real quick since I have you all. Feel free to jump on the Zoom calls if you want. But Natalie Britton, one of our, our newest uh, staff member, our uh, head of people development, is working hard. She already has leaders um, designated to lead Presence OC small groups. Something we were going to actually roll out down in a few months from now that we're just going to do it now because we need this. We need connection. We need time. So the small groups, we're going to start these right now. I think, believe they're going to start uh, early next week. Wednesday maybe is, is the last thing I heard. Um, but you will get an email. If you're not connected to us via email, um, go ahead and uh, um, uh, I think, yes, go on our website. You can sign up for the e- um, to be on our email list via the website. If not, write us a message on our, uh, on our Instagram page uh, or, or, uh, or message us via Facebook group. But the small groups, basically small people like around four to ten people in Zoom calls because we can't meet in person, okay? Don't ask. I've already thought about this. Um, of like disobeying all the rules, and uh, and but we need to be all, we need to be really uh, we need to honor our, our leadership. Um, so we're going to do these small groups, and we are going to have great leaders. You're going to grow and be mentored. You're going to mentor each other in these small groups, ironing, sharpening iron. It's going to be amazing. So these are going to be groups. They're going to have special time. So you're going to be able to pick which time of the day and time of the week that you are available. But let's be real. We're pretty much available anytime right now. Um, unless you're working. I get that. But um, So we're going to do that. Um, get ready for, or you can email Penny at Presence OC to get signed up for any kind of uh, recalls. Um, oh, so if you, it's prayer request. Uh, I'll just throw this out there. We just, let's all, I got some prayer requests right here. Somebody needs to get, a, if you need a job right now, we just pray for jobs right now for people. Um, there, a lot of people have, have lost their jobs. I just release the spirit of provision over you um, that God is going to provide for us. Even if you have $2 in your checking account, God will provide for you. I promise you. It's the word of God. He will provide for you. And I want to encourage you, if you're broke, if you have no money, if you need a job, go look for one. There's lots. Um, I think Amazon is like Amazon and Walmart, they're hiring hundreds of people, thousands of people right now. Go get a job. Don't, don't be too pride. If you had a really nice paying job and you need to pay for your food, go get a job. 15 an hour, 10 an hour, it doesn't matter. The sheer fact that you're working and doing something will actually tell heaven that you are ready to be attracting resources. Okay? Heaven is attracted to abundance, all right? I promise you, this is a spiritual law. Where you sow, you will reap. If you're not working right now, it's hard to reap in the work environment. So if you just start working for someone, shoot, go go do someone else's lawn. You can't talk to them, so that totally changes everything. But if you start working, go put your hand to something. There are two things that we really need right now is we need people to give into the blood banks right now. Go do that. Go serve somewhere. The blood breaks in Costa Mesa. You can go to lovecostamesa.org to find out how you can help. Lovecostamesa.org. Um, also, there's a local soup kitchen that really needs help. Um, they, they could use people to go and feed um, people that are homeless right now. Because a lot of people, I think, are staying home and they're not helping out. So if you want to help with that, go to lovecostamesa.org. Tell them that you can help. You can sign up for that. Um, the other thing is, 
I'm sorry. I, I have since I have you. I want to just go to this too. This is really fun too. PrayCostaMesa.org. Okay. Yes. Here's the other thing. There's a 24-hour prayer chain that's been started up by about I think we're about 20, 15 to 20 pastors right now. If you go to PrayCostaMesa.org, Victoria, can you put that in the chat box? PrayCostaMesa.org. There's a bunch of pastors. They set up a website. I'm a part of this. It's awesome. Um, PrayCostaMesa.org. You can actually sign up to man or woman 24-hour um, prayer right now. And the reality is basically you sign up for a slot. And so there's a whole, um, there's a guide on how to do it. You can see all the churches participating. Um, and you can sign up to do it. There's a link that says join 24-7 prayer. There's actual, there's all these times right now. If you go there now, there's all these times for hours of the day. So you just go in there, sign up for a slot, a 24-hour slot. Some of you guys are radical. You're going to be like, I'm doing the two-hour, the, the morning slot, right? Because uh, what is it? What do they call that? The night watch? There's scripture about the night watch, right? Day and night, I sit before you. Um, uh, and so uh, sign up for a 3 a.m. slot. And you, we will actually have, um, there's three slots for every hour. So once three people have signed up for it, um, that slot closes. So that's how you know if it's still open. So we're going to do this until, um, I think for until the end of the shutout is, is done. So um, there's 1,500 slots that we need to fill. So jump in there, fill a slot, pray, join all the Orange County in praying. These churches are all over the city and the county. Um, that's all I got for you guys. Uh, that's probably enough chatting. We're just, we'll, we'll stop the live stream. Love you guys. Be looking for the small groups. Um, I think we're, we'll even maybe try to do some live streaming worship things. I know, Rick, you mentioned that'd be fun. Um, we'll try to do some of that also. And uh, beyond that, check out our YouTube channel and our website for any updates. We'll see you next week at 10 a.m. I think we're going to keep trying to do the kids' church video at 9 a.m., okay? Uh, love you guys, and see you next week. If you have any needs, you can also email us at help at presenceoc.org. Help at presenceoc.org for anything you need. All right, love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.